Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Welcome to another episode of Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Vecchi, one of the associate pastors from West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. Joining me today from my right, Steve Wilson, who is a graduate of United Theological Seminary, and also Mick Wells. Mick is the co-host of the Cross Connection radio program, and he is also part of the Wells of Salvation Ministries. And Mick, we have a heavenly subject today. You're kind of going to lead us, and the subject is? Well, I wouldn't call it heavy. Oh, you said heavenly. Heavenly. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, my subject is heaven, Pete. Thanks. The, um, in terms of subjects, you know, who could not like a subject like this? This is the ultimate destination for, uh, um, of our Christian hope uh, to be in heaven. And I think it's important that we take a look at this. And I love doing these programs because I always learn so much just doing the research for it. It occurred to me that heaven is more than a Christian concept. When I went out and looked at the uh, great reliable sources that we have out there like Wikipedia, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I found that just about every faith on the planet has a belief in an afterlife in terms of a place of bliss. Of course, the, that's heaven for Christians. And, and they often call it heaven in, in the context of these other faiths also. But you know, it's important that we understand what the Bible says about heaven. And uh, heaven for me is where God is. Mm -hmm. And um, But I did find it interesting. And this is not just interesting, but astounding. I'm speaking personally here that uh, a survey conducted by Pew Research Center in 2014 revealed that more a, a higher percentage of Muslims believed in heaven and hell than Christians do, and um, higher than even Protestant Christians. So it doesn't really matter what the opinions are out there. It's kind of like a political poll in that regard. They fluctuate. Just because a percentage believes in, in heaven and a percentage doesn't, doesn't mean anything. Christianity by majority, is that what you're saying? Christianity, no, no, by majority, no, not necessarily. Just because you believe in something doesn't mean it's true. Right. I've often heard it say that just because a majority of people think that something is right doesn't mean that it's right. That's correct. And that's what we find on the subject of heaven. But I think everybody looks favorably upon the concept of, of heaven. I've uh, chosen a few verses that I'd like for us to read. I'll, I'll start out. This one's from Psalm 33 and verse 13, and uh, I have a little bit to say about that. Uh, the psalmist says, from heaven, the Lord, that's all caps, looks down and sees all mankind. Now in the Old Testament, when Lord's all caps, it means referring to uh, the triune Godhead Jehovah, uh, three and one. And this verse made me think, for example, <laughs> 
of a song from one of my favorite book groups, and I'm going to date myself here. A uh, group named Tommy James and the Shondells had a song called Crystal Blue Persuasion years ago. Steve, you probably don't remember that. No idea. Yeah, it's back from the 60s. <laughs> 1960s, not 1860s. Okay. But the verse of that song says, Maybe tomorrow uh, he'll look down on every green tree in every town. And it's referring to um, God. Tommy James was a young Christian back there. I learned that through uh, our cross-connection research. And he says, Maybe tomorrow... Uh, he will look down on every green tree and every town. And uh, so it's kind of consistent with a verse that says, From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. Now, Steve, would you share with us uh, John chapter 6, verse 38? It says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Yeah, and again, pay attention to the fact that <clears throat> It's talking about coming down from heaven. Gives us a little insight as to where the scriptures uh, talk in their limited sense about where heaven is. Pete, would you read for us Matthew 6, verse 9? Sure, this is out of the <clears throat> King James Version. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Yeah, and uh, so when you take these three verses together, what can you say? about heaven? What's its purpose? Well, heaven is where God is, it looks like, because according to these three scriptures, of course, I mean, I, I believe that's where God is, but if you look at these three scriptures, that's basically what it has in common. That's where God is. And the first two say that heaven is up. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we also... But, but up in what sense, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're not talking about directionally up. Right, because, I mean, otherwise in Australia, that would be the other way. <laughs> right, so we're talking about more of a, I think, more of a metaphorical, you know, uh, God's ways are higher than our ways kind of a thing where um, we're, we're the children, he's the father looking down on us, uh, even if he's not standing up at the moment. Well, let's uh, kind of take a rabbit trail there. The, one of the last passages where, we're talk, where it talks about Jesus on the earth, so the disciples were there, and they watched Jesus ascend up into the clouds, and the angels said, hey, what are, you, what are you looking at? The same Jesus in like manner you will see return to earth. Now, to me that... Uh, is talking about, at least in relation to being on the, the, the terra firma, as to being caught up, ascending into heaven, which to me is referring to up. Now, it's not to say what you just said was, was uh, in error, Steve, because obviously up is different, as you pointed out, in various places, but it, it's certainly heaven is not on the earth, would you agree? Right, and I think that um, a lot of times what we deal with is our conceptions of what does up mean? I mean, we can really get philosoph philosophical here um, because what is up? We have an idea that up means basically straight over our heads. And I kind of alluded to it in a um, alluded to it in a humorous way, but it's really true when you think of it. Here we are in the United States when we're thinking up as a direction. 
If you're standing on Australia, up is almost in the opposite direction from where we're looking. So we have to understand the context. Back then, they didn't realize when these words were written, they didn't realize that the earth was round, at least not necessarily as far as we understand. Up just meant not here on the earth. I think that's kind of what uh, you were saying, Mick. And then the whole metaphorical aspect of it that Steve was talking about, I think, also comes into play. Well, I think it... uh begs the question is, is heaven a, a, a real place? And along those lines, keep that question in mind as Steve reads uh, John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. That's a wonderful thought. And uh, as I've said before on this program, my dad likes the King James uh, version, which talks about in my father's house are many mansions. And uh, the NIV talks about rooms. But what do you think? Is heaven a real place then? Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There is There is a heaven. Okay. So it is a real place. And... Uh, Jesus is there preparing it for us, and I always think about what a wonderful place that must be. Uh, In human time, thinking of it in human terms, we believe that uh, the Lord created the earth and everything in, what, six days? Mm -hmm. And the seventh day he rested. Now, Jesus has been away from this planet in terms of since his ascension for nearly... 2,000 years. And so if he's preparing something for us in that time frame, it must be beyond description. You know, before we started our program today, uh, Pete, you were remarking that uh, you wouldn't have much to add because about all you could say about heaven is I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I know that there's a heaven, but what it's like, I can't say that I have some grand illuminating knowledge about what it's about outside of most, um, I would almost call elementary uh, ideas about it. Yeah, I, th- I think the title of the Mercy Me song sign, uh, summarizes it very nicely that we can only imagine, and even there we're very limited. Mm-hmm. So my next question is, where is it? Apart from references to ascension and God looking down from there and references to up, would you agree that the Bible's pretty much silent on where heaven is? Where is it? I liked Steve's answer about when you asked, is there a heaven? You said, yes. And my answer to where is it is, yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Uh, as human beings, I think we all want to latch, dig deep and latch on to things. I was thinking of... Uh, Uh, what the Latter-day Saints faith has done. They've created a a dwelling place for God, and it's a a planet they called Kolob. It's in their their book of Abraham, but they think that God actually resides there. Um, Now, I, I personally believe that we can't really capture mentally where heaven is 
with our limited abilities. Exactly. We are so finite in what we can imagine. Again, I can only imagine. Yeah. Um, we are so finite. I don't think that it's something we can comprehend. And even the descriptions of heaven that are given in the Bible are, I believe, using terms that were put in there that human beings can understand. In fact, even when when uh, John was writing in Revelation what he saw, I can't help but imagine that he was using terminology to um, explain things that maybe he didn't know what they were about. For instance, and this is just speculation or, or an illustration, I guess would even be a better way. If um, somebody from the first century AD happened to see a jet airplane, how would they describe it in their understanding of things in, in the first century AD. They would use terms probably having to do with animals or having to do with roaring thunders or things such as that. Um, we don't know exactly what it is that John saw in Revelation. He was just using the words that he best knew how to use. And of course, they are inspired by God. Exactly. You know, we read about uh, uh, chariots uh, in, the, in the modern sense, it may be tanks and things like that. You, they had to latch on to what they, they understood. Well, well I, even, even think about it. You say, well, where is heaven? Well, we say, well, God, God is in heaven. It's a place where God is. But then you think, well, God is a spirit. And so, okay, well, how does a spirit live somewhere? And in our understanding, well, spirit only lives in a body, Right. So to try and imagine this place, uh, it's, it's just totally outside of our wheelhouse. Yeah, it's, uh, it's mind-boggling. And uh, we're going to keep getting back to this, but we do need to take a quick break for our sponsor, and we'll be right back, coming back to answer these questions, or maybe not answer these questions about heaven. And we're back with Reconciling Grace, talking about heaven, and Mick Wells is leading the discussion. Mick, back to you. Well, thank heavens we have the scriptures to tell us a little bit about what it is like in the presence of God. Was that a pun? In heaven. Thank heavens? Thank heavens. It, I guess it was an unintended pun. Thank you, Pete. You are the uh, king of punsters. I know that. Uh, I want to look at the question, of what is heaven like? And I will kick this off with 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. From the Berean Study Bible, it says, Rather as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And I think there's no disagreement here. We all love the Lord. And so uh, Paul's telling the Corinthians here that we just can't imagine it. We kind of alluded to that in the first half of our, our program. Um, Paul should know, um, Pete, would you share with us his words from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 to 4? I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. And of course, later on in the scripture, we go on to find out that that was Paul talking about himself. 
yeah, he's not trying to be deceptive, is he? Right. He's being humble, uh, I, I guess, but I, I've been taught all my life that he's talking about himself. Mm -hmm. Well, what about that? Uh, the verse I read talked about uh, uh, we can't, nobody's seen, heard, no heart has imagined what God has prepared. Uh, Paul's given a little bit of glimpse here, but he isn't even uh, permitted, uh, according to the scriptures, not even permitted uh, to tell what he saw. What do you think that means? Well, it happened a couple of other times in the Bible. Um, Daniel was told to seal up things that he saw, if you remember in, in the Old Testament. And then in Revelation, there was a part where John was told not to write this down. So it's not... Um, it's not an isolated incident. So Paul could be seeing some of these things that either Daniel and or John had seen and were told not to write down. Yeah. Well, uh, Steve, would you read for us? I love this section of the Bible. It's Revelation chapter 21, verses 22 to 26, gives some wonderful description of heaven. This is the Apostle John writing. He says, I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You know, that's, that's mind-boggling just to think about. All the different things, no need for the sun or moon to shine on it. The glory of God will be our light there. Uh, the Lamb of God is the lamp. Um, gates never shut. No need for night. Does that mean we won't sleep there? I don't know. What do you think? Remember what I said before? I don't know. <laughs> it's it's one of those things that's a mystery. You know, we, we, we kind of we kind of make light of that, but there are things that are mysteries. We we don't know all of the answers. You know, it comes back to did did Adam and Eve have to sleep when they were on this earth before the, the fall? Did they need rest? Was that something that was important? Well, I think so. There'll be something where we re where we rest. Why? Because God rested from yeah. His labor on the on the seventh day. Um, but what does that look like? I can't tell you. Well, it's full of wonderful things and opportunities that we would enjoy. I have to say, in this world, I love my sleep. That's right. <laughs> Maybe there I want to take a nap or something because I enjoy it, but. Uh, Nothing impure will ever enter it. Uh, no one who does what is shameful or deceitful. You know, in our glorified state, we're going to be shielded from sin and temptation. Uh, it, that alone is hard to comprehend because we're surrounded by it daily in this existence. Um, well, we know it's a wonderful place. A couple other things that I was thinking of um, the Bible talks about the holy city, the new Jerusalem, um, is going to come down as a new heaven and a new earth, as a prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. So we can expect 
that the dwelling place of God then being with men is going to be down here. And so I don't know if if there was a new Jerusalem up there in those Old Testament scriptures we talk about, it certainly wherever it is, is the dwelling place of God. But a new heaven and a new earth comes down here, and, and the Bible tells us now the dwelling place of God is with men. Mm-hmm. And that's something to really look forward to. It's kind of a interesting point because I always like to tell people that heaven itself is temporary. Right? We're not going to be up there as spirits for all eternity. At some point, when Christ comes back, he's going to remake the creation the way it's supposed to be. And we'll have glorified bodies. We're going to have bodies again. Yes, exactly. Right. So we're. I always think of that new Jerusalem, that new creation, as being a renewing of the Garden of Eden. Mm. It's going to be the way the world was supposed to be before humanity sinned. That's an interesting thought, too, because sometimes children will come up to you and say, uh, hey, will will there be animals in heaven? Well, we know there were animals in Eden. Uh, I always say God likes animals. He likes animals. That's why he made them. I've often said that that animals are innocent victims of the fall of man. I, I mean, I always wonder, well, why would God all of a sudden get rid of them if he made them in the first place? Well, that's that's true. And, you know, I'm looking at my computer notes. I, I've had to erase several lines of script on my, com- on my notes here for this program. And it's because one of God's created animals jumped up on my <laughs> keyboard <laughs> and typed things that I'm, I could erase. Unfortunately, none of them were cuss words. But, um, yeah, and I've, I love the little cat that uh, we have in our home. He was a, a stray, an orphan. We took it, and he's become a wonderful pet. I've asked God, you know, if possible, Lord, bring him into heaven so I can see him there. I don't think that's, you know, completely out of line. I want to cover a couple other things about heaven. I'm going to read Revelation chapter 21, verse 4a. That's the um, part of the verse. It says, There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. That would be wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. No more death, mourning, crying, or pain. And, you know, earlier we were kind of talking about, well, do the people in heaven see what's going on on earth? For this reason alone, I would think that maybe God shields them from the terrible things, awareness of the terrible things that that happened here. Just something to think about. We, I was talking about, with my wife uh, yesterday, I think, and we were talking about, well, do people in heaven know everything? Right? Does God just all of a sudden uh, hear, here's kind of a download of everything that you don't know? And uh, we kind of end up with, with the thought, well, why would he do that? Yeah. Right? People aren't meant to know everything. True. Um, you've read, this isn't scripture, of course, but you may have read accounts and books of people who claim to have been in heaven, and their testimony is that as soon as they think of a question, God gives them an answer immediately. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true or not. Okay. C.S. Lewis, um, I forget what essay it was, but he, he was 
kind of arguing against this point. And he said, well, learning is part of the human experience and growing and maturing. And so he said, when you get to heaven, uh, yeah, you're not going to sin, but you're going to continue to learn and mature uh, in the same way that you do now. Yeah, I, uh, I can see that. And I, and I hope that's true. That'll keep the intrigue there. Right. I uh, think we'll also have knowledge, though, that we don't necessarily understand how that can be. And one of the reasons why I say this is something that happened when Jesus walked this earth, and it's called the transfiguration. Remember that Jesus was talking to Moses and Elijah, and Peter said, it's good that we're here. We can build three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Now, how did Peter know who they were? Were they saying, name tag, hi, this is Elijah? You know, I think there's something there because they had never met Elijah. They had never met Moses, yet they knew who Jesus was talking to. And I think that that's kind of how it's going to be in heaven as well. We're, we're somehow going to know people even if we had never met them before. Some people have even speculated that we're going to see colors that we can't imagine because we're only familiar with our spectrum. We're going to hear musical notes that we can't relate to because 13 half steps in a, in a, uh, a scale here. And they, heaven knows, there I go again, Pete, but what music we're going to hear and what kind of music and what colors we're going to see, we can't imagine it, but I think it'll transcend anything in our experience <laughs> here. Well, what is, what is heaven like? I'd like to share one more scripture here. Uh, and I think uh, you had read this, Pete. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We know that in heaven, Satan and its evil and sin have been banished. And so we know that the will of God is perfectly done in his presence. Mm -hmm. That in, means right heaven. away, no question about it. Exactly. And our citizenship is in heaven. I'd like to read for you Philippians 3, verses 20 to 21. The Bible tells us our citizenship, we're talking about here and now, our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 5 and 6 speak about Christians being made alive together with Christ, that he's raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Well, that's amazing, the sealing work of the Holy Spirit that does that, but what an impetus for us to focus how we live if we are constantly mindful that we're already seated, spiritually speaking, we're already seated with Jesus in heaven. So anytime you're tempted to do something questionable down here, think, hey, I'm seated beside Jesus in heaven. Would I do this in his presence? Absolutely not. I think it's an impetus for us to, to be conscious of how we live because it, it reflects upon uh, our faith. As long as we can remember that, you know, I think that that's something maybe we don't think about heaven enough um, because maybe we don't think about how the uh, things that we do are, are related to that. Yeah. Um, along those lines, I have one last question for you, gentlemen, from uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Pete, would you share that? 
Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. How do you go about setting your mind on things above and not earthly things? How do you do that? We have to transcend these earthly things somehow. We do, and it's, it's an act of faith, isn't it? Yes, it is. And uh, we could keep going on this, but the clock says we can't. We only have just a few seconds left. So for Steve Wilson and for Mick Wells, Mick, you did a great job leading this. This is Pete Vecchi. It's been our pleasure to share another episode with you of Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.